we're, we're, we're finishing a series, our summer series called Always. And um, this is the last week of the series. And so uh, I'm back, I'm wrapping it up. This is my second week in a row up here. So I'm going to kill it this morning. And uh, Pastor Jay will be back next week starting a new series called Live on Mission. Very powerful series uh, he's been working on. We'll start that off for the fall, but for this morning, we're finishing up our summer series called Always. If you remember, we've looked at 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Jude. And so this morning, we're going to talk about Jude, and Jude is a unique book. So we end this morning on a unique note with a unique book. And so if you want to go ahead and turn to Jude, um, it is the second to last book of the Bible. So if you just want to turn to the end and then like flip back a page. You ought to be good. Don't flip back two pages. If you do two pages, too far. There's only one chapter in Jude. It's a one-pager. So I'm sure that just became, many of you, your favorite book. Always, always. This morning, uh, we're going to end with uh, always a fight. Always a fight. So unique book, unique message for this morning. Always a fight. How many of you in here... You feel like every time you turn around somewhere, somebody, there's conflict or there's fighting, whether it's, uh, whether it's neighbors or um, family or uh, politics or somewhere there, there's conflict. How many of you guys feel like that? It's just, there's always conflict. Yes. Well, I have good news and bad news for you. You're right. So good news, you're right. Bad news, you're right. Um, there is. There's always conflict. There's, there's always fighting. And in Jude, there's no exception. Jude is up against a fight. And uh, like in 2 Peter, very similar. The churches that Jude is writing to are faced with some serious opposition. False teachers have come in and um, begun to lead the churches away. And so Jude's passion, his heart, is for these people to live faithfully to God because it is by far not only the right way, but the best way even for them. And so Jude's trying to send a message. And so there's a few things we know about Jude, a couple things we know. Uh, he's the brother of Jesus. And so he doesn't even call himself the brother of Jesus, though. He says that he's a servant of Jesus and a brother to James. But, um, but we know that church history says that he's a brother of Jesus. And so uh, he's also, Jude is, uh, what, Jude is what I call the world's first blogger. So Jude's the first blogger. He was working on a message. He was working on this lengthy letter. And he really wanted to write it to these churches and send it out. And it was going to be full and impactful and long. And then all of a sudden he gets wind that something is very important. Uh, something very important is going on in the church. And so he cuts it short and he forgets this novel that he's writing. And he st instead he just shoots off this, uh, this blog post because it's just too important. And so this is one pager book that we got in Jude. Uh, a couple things we don't know. We don't know who his audience is. We don't know who Jude is writing to. We know he's talking to the people of God. We know he's writing to a Jewish community. We don't know exactly who it is. And we also uh, don't really know what exactly the false teaching is that he's addressing or the false teachers. We only know what the result of it was and is that they were leading others away uh, specifically in regards to money and sex. And so we know that this is where they were being led away to. We don't really even know what it is. He doesn't really tend to focus too much on that. But if you go ahead and look in your Bibles or up on the screen, we'll have the verses up there. Uh, we're going to hit on the bookends of Jude, so the first and the, end, the, the last part. Um, verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, 
I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Everyone say contend for the faith. You guys here this morning? Verse 20, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire. Save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Verse 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Contend for the faith. Jude is telling them to fight for their faith. Fight for it. I remember my last fight that I was in that wasn't a sibling. Uh, it was Miss Matthew's class. I was in sixth grade. And um, Robert Dunn was the enemy uh, that morning. And um, I don't remember a ton. I just remember that that morning we were talking and, and uh, our friends were together. It was me and a group of our friends and me and Robert and the, and the other guys. And we were talking. And, and I don't remember the conversation. I just remember that Robert uh, started to talk and he, and he started to use foul language. It was, it was definitely foul language for now and for sixth grade. And, um, and so being the good Christian that I was in sixth grade, I said, uh, so Robert, I said, um, you're not going to use this language around here. And so uh, Robert looks at me and he goes, really? I said, that's right. And he said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> so um, rumor quickly spread in the class that we were, uh, that we were about to go to battle. And um, so the rest of the day, it was just this drama going on, and it built up. And I, I started to have second thoughts, but I thought I can't back down now, you know. So it gets to the, toward the end of the day that, that afternoon, and I, and I got up from my seat, and I went and walked to uh, throw something away. And um, I may or may not have knocked his book off his desk intentionally. Um, but as I was walking back, Robert comes up and uh, he kind of just bumps me in the shoulder. You know, he kind of gives me the, this is in front of the whole class. And so um, I did what only uh, any self-respecting sixth grader would do. I reared back and punched him in the face. <laughs> and um, showing my good Christian character. And so... We, we both got sent to the office, and we were suspended from school, and I sat there, and uh, when my mom came and picked me up, and she was not too happy, and she came and picked me up, and she said, uh, got in the car, and we were riding home, and she said, um, she was asking, you know, what happened? And I said, this, this, this guy, man, he was just, he was talking all this, he was cussing. And she was like, <laughs> and um, she said, well, who was the kid you were sitting beside talking with before I came and picked you up? Oh, that was Robert. That was my friend, the one I got in a fight with. So Jude, um, let me say this. How, how many of you, if you had a time machine, you could go back in time, uh, you would love to go back in time and just beat your own self up for just being such a doofus? Um, yeah. I'd go back to sixth grade and I would say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Who are you defending? Because it's not Jesus. There's an, there's an innate understanding in all of us that something is off here on earth. There is conflict. 
that there is right and wrong and something should be done about it. We understand this deep inside, but too often we go about it the wrong way. Too often we fight the wrong battle with the wrong people, using the wrong weapons, expecting something right as a result. And they aren't. Jude is facing this massive battle, and God's people are being led astray by by false teaching. And so they have to fight back, and, and he shows them how in these scriptures. And he says this, ultimately, that, a, 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 that God's grace demands a whole life response. Not just a partial response, not just a compartmentalized response, not just a, 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 a Sunday morning response, or not just a, a Facebook response, or 160 character response here. It, re, it demands a whole life response in every single aspect of our life, including in conflicts and in fights. And, and to the message to the church here for Jude is God's grace demands a whole life response. So if you're taking notes, I've got just a couple quick points. The first one is this, chapter, uh, verse 3, Jude says to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. The, the, the faith that you were entrusted at the beginning, at first. Contend for the faith. Don't, don't compare. I heard this story about, this, uh, about a pastor that had gone on a missions trip one time, not one of our pastors, had gone on a missions trip one time. And um, he, wasn't a, he wasn't really a, a builder, but he wanted to contribute to the project that was going on uh, out of country. They were building a church. And um, so he asked the, the resident uh, pastor that was there and the builder that was working, he said, how can I contribute? I really want to help. And so the guy said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're wrapping up today. It would be awesome if in the morning we already had all of the boards lined up ready for us to use. I don't remember what the dimensions were, but, but he, he said, why don't you go ahead? He said, I need 100 boards, 106 foot boards. Why don't you go ahead and make those cuts? And um, pastor said, okay, I, I definitely can do that. I can go ahead and make those cuts. And so he said, uh, so he went over and he measured one of the boards and everybody was leaving. He measured one of the boards and he measured out six feet and he marked it. And then he went and he made the cut. And so then he took that board and he went to the next board and he measured out and he placed that board right there as, as, a, as a sample. And, uh, and he marked that mark right there. And then he went ahead and cut it six feet there. And then instead of taking that first piece, he set the first piece down and he picked up the second piece and he put the second piece on the third piece of lumber and he went ahead and and marked it and then made that cut. And instead of using that piece, he moved that one to the side and he picked up the third piece that he made a cut and he went and he put on the fourth piece the same. And so all the way through, 100 boards, uh, he continue to mark it. The problem was, was every time that you would make that mark, it would be just a little bit further along. Those of you that are builders in here know this. It, was, it, was, it wasn't off much. It was only off maybe about an eighth of an inch. But by the time he got to 100 boards, some of those boards at the end were upwards of seven feet long and, and, and couldn't be used. And so he's stuck there with 100 boards, and some of them are seven feet long. Oftentimes in Christianity, our comparisons that we compare to are with a prior generation instead of the original gospel given 2,000 years ago. And so what we tend to do is we tend to look around and when we feel a conflict or we feel a, a battle in our, in our spirit, 
or around us, we tend to compare what a previous generation did, and then we try to improve upon that a little bit. Or maybe we look around somebody else that's around us, and we try to improve upon that just a little bit. And Jude here is pointing out specifically, he says, contend for the faith, but, but don't compare. Contend for the faith that you were originally given. Contend for the gospel. Contend for Christ-likeness based on love, not comparison based on culture. So contend for, contend for the faith and work at it and strive at it. But don't look around and don't compare to necessarily to what these other generations did. You look back at what Jesus gave us, and that is the standard. This is the standard that we use. The second one is this, commit to God. Commit to God. A whole life response means that we commit to God in, in every area, in his, uh, in his will, in God's will, in his works, and in his ways. So a whole life response meaning, means to commit to God's will. God's will is uh, asking yourself, it's, it's basically this, uh, what is the big picture? What is the, what is the big picture? What is God ultimately wanting to do? Is God's plan to infiltrate the earth with his love and goodness and, and his hands and his feet are you and me. And so we ask the question, we go, God, what is, what, is the, what is the big picture? So it means taking a step back and asking, is my life spent responding to what I want or what God wants? Am I doing my will or am I doing God's will? A whole life response means committing to God's will. It also means committing to God's works, which is, which is different. That's asking the question, what is God doing right now? What, what is, what is, where's God's activity right now in my own life, uh, in the life of my family, in my church, in this area, here on earth? What is God at work at right now? Have you, have you ever found yourself accidentally in the middle of something? You just popped in and you showed up and you're like, oh, I didn't even realize this was already going on. Um, I, was, uh, I remember when I was in school one time, I was in college, and I was just, I was walking down the hallway, and I was just in a, a jolly good mood, and I was talking with my friend Bill, and we were uh, laughing and carrying on, and um, I remember that I was walking down the hall, and I was about to open up the door that led out into the courtyard. It was about nine o'clock at night, and I was just, I, I just, I just gotten off work, I'd gotten back home, and I'm just thrilled to be there. And so I'm laughing, and I bust open this door, and I just yell, hey, everybody. And I look, and I don't think anybody's out there until as I bust open, I trip over the guy in front of me who's leading a Bible study with about 80 people. And he's the guy standing in front. And I trip over him. I stand up, and everybody just stares at me, and I just turn back around, and I walk back inside. What was I? What was I? I as if I'm the only person on the planet, just like, like, like as if nothing else was going on. If you and I aren't careful, we can, we can think that um, we do the same with God, thinking we're the, we're the only people on the universe. But God is already active. He's already active. He's already at work. When, he, uh, when Jesus was on earth and he was leaving to go back to the Father, he said, it's good that I go away. He said, it's good that I go away because I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, uh, as Jesus left to go back and be with the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now is present in all of us everywhere all the time. But if we're not careful, we, we tend to think that, we're the, we're the, that we are the center of reality. I mean, how long did it take for us to uh, realize 
that, that the sun didn't revolve around the earth, but the, but the earth revolved around the sun, that we weren't the, the, the center of reality. And, 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 and it, sometimes if we're not careful, we tend to think that, that um, God is only at work where, where, where we are or where we choose to allow him to be at work. Uh, I got a friend, I was, I was texting back and forth last night with a friend of mine who lives in Australia. It was about uh, eight or nine o'clock. And um, so I'm, I'm texting him back and forth. And then I realized he's in church tomorrow. So it, it, was, uh, it was about eight o'clock. So it was, I think, about 11 o'clock Sunday morning. It was eight o'clock last night, 11 o'clock Sunday morning. Um, and, uh, and I'm texting him back and forth. And I realized that that there's church over there on the other side of the world. I'm about, to, I'm about to go to bed in just a little bit. I'm going to go to sleep. And then it hits me and I go, somehow, somewhere on the other side of the planet, even though while I'm sleeping, somehow God is like already, he's doing stuff as if, as if he doesn't need me, <laughs> as if he doesn't need me to do stuff for him. And, 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 and here on the other side of the earth, I'm about to go to sleep. And here God is moving and, and saving people and healing people and, and restoring relationships. And I'm over here asleep in the bed. And if we're not careful, we'll tend to, we'll tend to think that God is only active where we are. And so, so a whole life response to God means committing yourself not only to his will, the big picture, but to his works. What, what is he doing right now? And so you got to ask yourself the question, if I'm not the center of God's reality, if like God is, you know, what, what is he doing? What could he be at work at in my own family? What could he be at work at and where could he be active at my work, at my job? Could, could he be active and involved and moving, you know, like the Holy Spirit in the hearts of, of others? What is he doing? And you ask yourself that question, you got to pull, you, we, we, we pull ourselves out of our own um, short-sightedness, I guess. Um, the, 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 the me syndrome, it's all about me. And you look and you go, what is God already doing? And then how do I get in on that? I don't have to create. I don't have to create God's activity. I need to get in on that. And so a whole life response to the ultimate cosmic battle between God and Satan. God, the, the cosmic battle between God and Satan finds itself, it, it, it plays out here on earth and it plays out itself here in relationships. And so you ask God, you go, how are you restoring and reconciling humanity back to yourself? And then I want to get in on that. And that's going to require, my, it's going to require a response from me. A whole life response to God's will, his big picture, his, his works, what is he doing right now? And a whole life response means committing to his, to his ways. To his ways. How is God at work? How does he accomplish what he wants? Think about it. How does God accomplish what he wants? Does, it, does, does he use force? Does he use coercion? Um, does God make us follow him? No. No, 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 he doesn't. He leads us by his own love. And so, and so what are his ways? And so we, we look to the cross. We look, we look to the cross and we go, I guess, I guess self-sacrifice are his ways. I guess, I guess, I guess uh, thinking of others more than yourself, I guess, are his ways. So, so, so what are God's ways? How does he accomplish his will on earth? And how is he active, his works on earth, what are his, 
What are his, what are his ways? You remember standardized testing in school? Remember standardized tests? Uh, I had uh, these, these uh, uh, tests called Scantrons. I don't know if we still do Scantrons. Scantrons were, um, uh, they, they were multiple choice tests. And so multiple choice tests were always my favorite in school. They were my, they were my favorite because you, you had a maximum of like four to five answers, right? And so you had a, you had a decent chance you, you're going to get it right. In fact, teachers would even tell you, like, if you don't know the answer, you still got to fill something in. And if you don't know it, which one do you circle? C. Oh, yeah, you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. You circle C. Why? I don't know, because that's what she said to do. And uh, so we, 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 we circle C. Most likely it's going to be that. And so those, those are my favorite. The worst tests, the worst tests were essay tests and math tests. Essay tests, they were pretty bad because you actually had to, like, talk about stuff. You had to have some kind of idea. Now, some of you guys are, are good at that kind of stuff. Y'all can just write a bunch of mumbo-jumbo and write like four or five pages worth of stuff, and it, it, you're really saying nothing. I, I could never do that. But congratulations to you if you could do that. I'm proud of you. Um, but the worst were math tests. Math tests were the absolute worst because it doesn't matter on a math test if you know the answer. You can have the answer. You could put all the answers down to every single question on a math test. You could still fail. Because Why? Because in a math test, you have to show your work. You actually have to go through the problems and you got to write on there and you got to say, this is how I got here. And you got to actually know what it is. You got to show your work. Christianity is a math test. You show your work or it doesn't count. In your life, in your activities, how you go about life, it is awesome if you and I know the answers. It's good that you and I know the answers. It's great that you and I know if it, 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 it's, it's, it's good that you know who killed Goliath. But if, <clears throat> but if you can't defeat the giant of sin in your life, then what does it matter? It's good that you and I know that it was Daniel that was in the lion's den. Um, but if you and I don't know how to respond when we are under spiritual attack, then, then what good is it? It's good that you and I know that Jesus said to love your enemies. But if we don't do it, then what good is it? Actually, how we go about living God's ways is the faith. For Christians, how you live is the most reliable indicator for what you believe. Actually, how we go about doing it. And so when we are, when we are in conflict or when we are in, 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 in fighting or when we are in conflict, wherever we are, and, and, and if you look at Jude, he was in a major conflict. How you respond to that is the most reliable indicator of what you believe. And so a whole life response is demanded by God in every way, in his will, regarding his works, and regarding his ways. The last one is this, connect to the promise. Connect to the promise. Here's a promise at the end. Um, in verse 24, we can see that it's, it's almost too good to be true, um, but... It's so good it has to be true because only God, you know, could make this up. And so we look at the promise in verse 24. 
and you can read along with me. Now to, him, now to him who is able to keep you from failing, from falling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So picture this. He's the one that prevents you. At, at, at first you're falling, but then he presents you picked back up and standing before him. He's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. This passage ends with like a, like a, like a symbol crash. It's this incredible doxology, this huge, this, this ending of the book, one of the greatest benedictions in all of Scripture that we find that this Huge promise from God is here at the end of Jude. And he says, connect to this promise. Connect to this promise. He's the one that keeps you from falling, and he's the one that is able to present you faultless before the Lord. He's the one at work. When, um, when, I, when Lindsay and I, Lindsay and I, uh, when we only had one kid, I have three kids now, I have three children, they're, uh, they're awesome. And um, <laughs> the, when I only had my oldest was born, she was two years old. Uh, I remember we had her birthday. We celebrated her birthday, we had some friends come over and um, we celebrated the two-year-old birthday. And I remember watching her and she was uh, outside on the play set and she was sitting b- uh, beside the play set and she wasn't really playing, but watching all the other kids play. And... Um, so Lindsay says something to me. She goes, you, th- you think she's sick? And I'm like, no, no, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. And, and uh, I said, she's just watching, which is crazy because she was never the watcher. She was always the player. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, a, a few days went by, and we realized that she, she, had, she, had, she wasn't very, she was becoming less and less active. And she wasn't walking. She started to complain. And as, and as good as she could say it, at, at two years old, she was saying, um, she, she was saying that she was hurting, that her, uh, that her back was hurting. And so um, we didn't know what it was, and so we took her, to the, took her to the doctor. And every single day that went past, it started to get worse and worse. And um, she got to the point where she, she couldn't walk at all, and she would just cry incessantly. And so the doctor, we went through a, a handful of things that she thought maybe it was. And, and um, I, I, I could see on the, on the doctor's face that you, know, you start here and you work your way up to, um, to some of the scarier things that you don't want to say as a doctor. You don't want to have to say, but we were, we were, we were getting there pretty rapidly. And um, she said, well, uh, we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to do some more tests. Um, we're just unsure what it is. And so for, for two weeks, um, my, my youngest, I mean, we, only had, we only had one child at the time. She's two years old and she she, she can't walk, and she's crying nonstop, and that just wasn't her, and, and there's terror, uh, just, just scared to death as, as young parents. And um, so we, we, we try to take some tests, and um, the tests come back. They don't really show anything. So finally we get this MRI, and the MRI comes back, and she has something called uh, um, osteomyelitis, osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection in her spine. And so it was in her back, and it was spreading, and, and it was very painful, and she, and she couldn't walk, and they were going to have to treat with um, IV antibiotics, and so they admitted us to the hospital. And so for two months, in and out of the hospital, we went through all kinds of crazy uh, complications um, that, that took, 
that took every bit of energy and every bit of strength um, that, that Lindsay and I had. Just, it just did. And there were many, many times that we just thought that there was no, we didn't know how it was going to end uh, because the doctors weren't giving us really any, um, weren't giving us a ton of um, answers other than to just keep doing this, keep do, just keep doing this. And so we try, we try one uh, antibiotic and it wouldn't work. And we tried another antibiotic and it didn't work. And, and sooner or later, those of you that are in the medical community realize you, you, you start to run out. And I remember we were up at the hospital and um, uh, I, was, I was with my daughter and Lindsay had came in to relieve me. We had been there for days. And she said to go back, uh, I could go back to the house and, and uh, rest for a little bit, take a shower and then come back and be at the hospital. And um, I was just at the end. I was at the, I was at the end of the energy that I had. I was at the end of um, the strength that I had. And, and to be honest with you, um, my world revolved in a lot of ways around my, my family. I mean, you, I mean your family, it's, 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 is there anything that's more important to you than your family? And so um, I just remember I was at my wit's end and I started to feel so bad and so guilty and so ashamed that I questioned, the, 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 the reason I was so guilty and so ashamed was I started to think, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have the faith for this. I don't know that I can keep up with this. I, I just don't know. If, if, if this goes down the road that, that it looks like it's going, if it's going to continue down this road, I don't know how, I, I just don't know that I can do this. And so I remember I was in the car and I was telling God what was going on. You know, like real feelings, like, like gut prayers. You ever, you ever pray gut level prayers? You like finally just get real with Jesus and you're like, all right, I'm, let me tell you how it is. And he's like, finally, like I already didn't know, <laughs> you know. And um, so I remember in the car and I just, I just unloaded and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I don't know that I have faith. I don't know that I have faith for tomorrow. But I tell you what, all that I got, I, I, I'll, I'll have it for today. I'll, I'll do it for today. But I don't know about tomorrow and tears were coming down my face. And I was alone in the car driving back to the hospital. And I remember uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And um, Sometimes we get, sometimes when God communicates to us, we, we, we go, I, th- I think God gave me a thought. I think he gave me a God thought. And then there are other times where we know that that didn't come from us. That didn't come from me. It came from something else. It came from the Holy Spirit and God, and God spoke to me. And in an instant, I had this thought and it was this. And God, God spoke to my heart and he said, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And the reason I know it, the reason I even know that is it was a, it was a song I used to sing when I was little. It was a King James uh, scripture in a little kid song that we used to sing. And basically the message was this. Um, I know in whom I have believed. I, I, I know who I've placed my trust in. And it's up to him, not me, to keep Everything that I've committed to him unto that day when I finally see him. And so the burden and the weight and the guilt that all that, that, that you and I carry, to, to carry that alone all the way through, at the end of the day, really is his to carry. And when we finally reach that end point where we go, I can't, I can't, 
I don't know how much more of this I can carry in this conflict. I don't know how much more I can carry in this day or in this state. When we finally get there, we get to this promise in Jude. We get to this promise in Jude where we look and he goes, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless. Who is able to keep you from stumbling? Well, it's not you and it's not me. Despite all of our greatest efforts and all of our best intentions, it is God who picks you up and wraps his arms and puts his hands underneath and carries you and presents you true and whole and blameless. If the worship team would go ahead and come on up here as we end. The, the battle that Jude is facing is with, is with false teachers and they're leading people astray and it's a big deal. And the response that he gives is not, you just go in there and hammer them with this. You tell them this and you give them this and you, you know, punch them in the face if you have to. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. This, this is how you respond to those. This is how you respond to those. Be merciful to those who doubt. So those, those who are starting to have doubts. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire. That's, that's the image of uh, uh, you, you see a kid who's about to run out in the street. And you snatch them out right before they do. You snatch others from the fire. Save them. And to others, show mercy. Those who have already, those who have already gone that way. Mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. But to you... To him who is able to keep you from falling. So how, how, how do you respond? Jude gives us the response. It is how Jesus lived his life and how he ended it. It is his, his ways. It is how he went about doing it. If you would, go ahead and stand. There's always a fight. There's always a conflict. There's always conflict in our lives and wherever we are. But your response and my response matters. And Jesus has entrusted us with uh, his word and his message and his ways. If you're in here, if you would just close your eyes, nobody looking around, just want to ask a, a couple questions. I want to pray this morning prayer team, if you would go ahead and come on up here. If you're in here and you just say, Joel, I've, I've, I feel like I've contended for the faith. Um, I feel like I've committed to God. I feel like I'm connecting to the promise. But if I'm honest, uh, there's real conflict in my life. And I, I, I need God's perspective on this. I need God's perspective because I'm getting... Um, bogged down, I think, by the wrong perspective. And if God has a different perspective for this fight in my life, you know, one, you know, you know, to see this with his eyes, to hear it with his ears, and, and I need God's perspective. If that's you in here, you say, I feel like I've done this, but I need a new perspective on this. With everybody's eyes closed, if you would just lift your hand real, real high and you put it back down. Just yes. Anybody else? I need, I need God's perspective. Yes. Maybe you're here and you'd say, um, 
I need, I just need strength to stand this morning. I need strength to stand. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to connect to God's promise. I'm going to connect to him and realize that it's him that leads and he's the one that, that is able to keep me from stumbling and, and present me blameless. But I, I've got to commit to that promise and I need to make a commitment this morning to the understanding and the promise that I'm in his care. And sometimes, sometimes it's not up to me. It's actually up to him. And I'm going to commit to the promise that I can trust him. If that's you, would you raise your hand real, real high and then you put your hand right back down just for, so that I can see it and that God can see it. Yes. Yes. If you raised your hand in here, I'm going to ask, I'm going to invite you to come up here and pray. You can go ahead and come on up here and pray. While they're on their way, I'm going to pray for you that's in here. God, God, we, um, God, we acknowledge your presence here. God, we acknowledge the conflicts and the difficulties and the trials and the, the fights. And the, God, we acknowledge the, 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 just the difficulties in life. And so God, we, God, we pray that we would be able, we would be capable, we'd be able to commit to you a whole life response to your grace, not just a partial or a, a, a compartmentalized, God, but a, but a whole life response where we commit ourselves to you. If you would, before we dismiss, I'm going to end with, a, with the, the same ending that Jude ended his church uh, that he was writing to the, 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 the same way. And so he blessed them and he sent them and he, and he, uh, with, uh, with strength and a message. So if you're in here, would you just hold your hands out like this, like you're about to, like you're about to receive something? To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory majesty power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore amen amen be blessed if, you, if the, the, the altar still open if you